0: We are so happy to have you as a listener. Thank you for tuning in and joining us and for the support you've been providing. One of the best ways that you can help the No Nonsense Anti-Racism podcast is to write a review. Write a review, share your thoughts, follow us on social media so that we can continue to grow and to get this historical contextual information about Canada, about anti-racism work out into the universe as wide as possible. Please take a few minutes out of your day to write us a review anywhere that you listen to podcasts. This is the No Nonsense Anti-Racism Podcast. This Canada Day came and went with little fanfare compared to years past. 2021 marked 154 years of Canada being officially a country. There weren't many fireworks a lot of noise from individuals in my neighbourhood, I'll say, but nothing special. I saw very few Canadian flags, few if any events, and you might be thinking, well yeah, because of the pandemic, but that isn't quite the full reason. If you've been paying attention to the news, a lot of people weren't particularly proud of Canada on and around July 1st of this year. As of recording this episode, more graves have been found of Indigenous children at residential schools, and the number is now at over 1,500. For the last month or so, we've been seeing the headlines about the discovery of graves of Indigenous children at former residential schools. And on July 1st, what I saw mostly were protests in major cities across Canada for Indigenous solidarity. Hashtag Cancel Canada Day was trending more than hashtag Canada Day. And this was also an initiative created by the group Idle No More, so kudos to that. Canceling Canada Day is not a new conversation. It's been something that has been discussed for a few years now. But this year, it was about time, I think, as a country, that we came to terms with the ways that we have been treating, or more correctly, mistreating Indigenous people
1: a sign of solidarity thousands take to the streets demanding recognition, reconciliation and so much more. As the Every Child Matters march snaked its way through the Corps hundreds more gathered at Queen's Park for a sit-in and to reflect while standing before the growing memorial at the front steps of Ontario's legislature where each pair of tiny shoes marks the loss of an indigenous child at a residential school and the thousands more still expected to be discovered.
0: I'm not Indigenous. I'm a settler on this land like a lot of people here. And I think it's our responsibility to listen to the Indigenous people. And so when they say land back, that's what needs to be done. Celebrate today? No way.
1: I'm a very proud Canadian. I think Canada is the best place in the world to live. But today is not a time to celebrate Canada today is a time to mourn. This
0: is the wake-up call for us to listen. So naturally, this conversation, of course, came to a head again this year when Canada Day rolled around. And if you were unsure how to celebrate, you were not alone. Many groups sent out surveys to gauge Canadians' feelings, and the results are mixed depending which one you look at, but the questions and feelings of uncertainty about celebrating Canada Day has never been more apparent. Personally, I'm torn between loving and celebrating this country in which my parents emigrated to for a better life for themselves and their children. They were welcomed and supported. It wasn't easy, of course. They faced a lot of barriers, racism, difficulties, but they persevered and can be proud of what they've accomplished. However learning about the ways in which Canada still has a lot of work to do, to say that these same opportunities are made available to every single person in in this country, no matter their religion, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or ability, we have a long way to go. This is even more stark as I go through relearning and unlearning Canada's history as a settler colonial country and the racist principles that this country was founded on and continues to perpetuate. How can I express my gratitude and love for this country while I continue to learn about the horrific and systemic racism at this country's core? Cities have cancelled or scaled back their celebrations, including Victoria, St. John, Fredericton, St. Albert, and Calgary, in light of the recent revelations about residential schools and recognizing that these celebrations would be damaging to reconciliation efforts if they were to happen. This subject may get some people riled up. They may be thinking, how dare you not love and celebrate Canada Day? If you hate this country, then leave. And to be honest, this wouldn't be much different from the ravings of racists who say this all year round. But let's dive into what this conversation is all about. Let's go to the beginning. Canada Day was officially declared a holiday on June 20th, 1868 when then-Governor-General Lord Monk signed a proclamation requesting all Her Majesty's subjects across Canada to celebrate July 1st. Since the year earlier, on July 1st, 1867, was when the British North America Act created what we now know of as Canada. This legislation passed by the British Parliament to create Canada as a new self-governing federation, consisting of the former colonies, now provinces, of New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Ontario, and Quebec. The British North America Act outlined the structure of government in Canada and the distribution of powers between the central parliament, which is located in Ottawa, and the provincial legislators. The rest of what we now know of as Canada was acquired over time, including six provinces, that have been added to the original four and the two territories. So the provinces are Manitoba, British Columbia, Prince Edward Island, Alberta, Saskatchewan and Newfoundland, and the two territories, Yukon and Nunavut. Also, we're not going to go into it fully here, but Canada also purchased land called Rupert's Land from the Hudson's Bay Company, which quote unquote owned huge swaths of what we now know of as Ontario, Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Yes, this is the same Hudson's Bay that you might go shopping at. The creation of Canada was due to the growing strength of the United States to the south, and the belief that if these British colonies came together, they would be stronger and richer. For those of you who remember your history lessons, the guy on our $5 bill, Sir John A. Macdonald, was the first Prime Minister and is referred to as the Father of Confederation. He's also one of the architects of this country's policy on Indigenous peoples, which includes residential schools. Now remember, treaties and agreements were made between the Crown and Indigenous communities before this British North America Act was ever made official. Aspects of these agreements between the Crown and Indigenous peoples were written down in the Royal Proclamation of 1763 and in treaties that took place for many, many years. First Nations, Métis, and Inuit people have their own ways of governing themselves as well, so let us not forget that they have a governance system that is distinct from the mainstream federal political system, or provincial really. But the British North America Act stated that the federal government now had jurisdiction over Indians and lands reserved for Indians. There was no mention, explicitly, of Inuit or Métis communities in the BNA Act, as Canada's territory at the time was smaller and didn't necessarily include the West or the North. Regardless, this was not welcome news to many Indigenous communities across Canada, including the Métis communities, one of which, and one of the largest, lived in and around modern-day Winnipeg. Led by Louis Riel, the Métis community there formed a provisional government of their own and fought back against their land being seized and added to this new Canada. Their families had lived there for generations, after all. They eventually did come to an agreement with the federal troops and government after a lot of fighting, and many of the Métis demands were met. As Canada grew after Confederation... Relationships between the Crown and First Nations, Inuit and Métis, were negotiated and governed through continued treaties through the 1876 Indian Act, land claims, and other laws and policies. But there was no national constitutional acknowledgement of Aboriginal and treaty rights until the Constitution Act of 1982, which we'll talk about in a bit. Now, Canada's newly developed constitution didn't in itself change the colonial relationship with Indigenous people. It merely ensured that the power dynamics remained the same, with a white supremacist mindset of control over Indigenous people and their lands. Canada essentially adopted the existing power structure of the British into this newly formed country. There are two main pieces of legislation that laid the foundation for what was to be this new country's policy regarding the relationship with First Nations people. One was called the Gradual Civilization Act of 1857, and the second is the Gradual Enfranchisement Act of 1869. Both of these aimed to transform First Nations men and women into Canadian citizens, provided that they give up their native heritage and accept a Euro-Canadian education, or that they leave their reserves and become owners of private property only. These two acts eventually were rolled and consolidated into what is now known as the Indian Act of 1876, But it reinforced that same relationship between settlers and First Nations. And this legislation is still in existence today. There have been some amendments. There have been rights that Indigenous communities have fought for and against. But many aspects of the Indian Act of 1876 are still in existence. Interestingly enough as well, Canada may have been a newly formed country, but it was far from independent from the UK. Canada still required approval from Britain to change many aspects of its governments and territories. New laws had to be approved in Britain, in their parliament, for example, to expand the borders, to change the number of seats in parliament or the senate, and to make any kind of changes to our judicial system. Canada only became truly independent in 1982. The new constitution was made up of the British North America Act and includes all of the existing laws that were made from 1967 until 1982 that were signed with the permission of the United Kingdom. The British North America Act is now known as the Constitution Act of 1967. In the back and forth that needed to take place between Canada and the UK for us to get full and true political independence, there was some fear from First Nations, Inuit, and Métis communities that their rights would not be represented in the new constitution, and they were absolutely right. So they took action to ensure that their voices were heard. Indigenous communities and their leaders organized action groups, they lobbied politicians, They launched petitions, they prepared written submissions, all so that they could get national and international support for their voices to be heard and for their rights to be included in the constitution explicitly. Indigenous leaders and communities wanted to ensure that we moved past this colonial idea of only two nations being represented in the confederation, and these two nations were the English nation and the French nation. So a lot of back and forth was taking place between Canada and the UK. And at this time, of course, and as I had mentioned, there was a lot of lobbying and advocacy happening from First Nations communities. Throughout 1980 and 81, the federal government held a number of constitutional meetings between the provincial premiers on this new constitution that was being created. And in these conversations introduced something called the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. To get this constitution passed and to get everyone happy required a certain level of agreement between the federal government and all of the premiers of all of the provinces, which as you can imagine was not an easy feat. But because of this, because of this back and forth between the federal and provincial leaders, it was really difficult for indigenous people to make themselves heard. They didn't necessarily have a seat at the table and their voices weren't as highly considered. In November of 1981, the federal and provincial governments came to a tentative agreement on what this new constitution would look like, but they did not include Aboriginal or treaty rights at all. So this really pushed Aboriginal leaders to organize demonstrations across Canada. They demanded further rounds of discussion that this constitution that they came up with couldn't be the final one at all. They eventually persuaded the federal government and the provinces to provide constitutional recognition to Indigenous peoples. And in the end, as in many things, it was the grassroots advocacy of First Nations, Metis, and Inuit people that ensured that Indigenous voices were represented in the new constitution. So in 1982, when the constitution was finalized and enacted, it included something called the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and particularly Section 35 of the Constitution Act legally guaranteed that, quote-unquote, existing Aboriginal and treaty rights of the Aboriginal people of Canada are hereby recognized and affirmed. The Constitution, very importantly, defines Aboriginal as those including Indian, Inuit, and Métis peoples. This could not possibly have happened without Indigenous leaders fighting tooth and nail to ensure that their rights were affirmed in the Constitution. The affirmation of Aboriginal and treaty rights in our new Constitution was a very important step. It definitely wasn't the last chapter in this story, because since 1982, First Nations, Métis, Inuit communities have continued to take more actions to affirm that more of their rights are also enshrined legally. So, the celebration of Canada is a celebration of the coming together of former British colonies to create a new country. This new country is in the same image of its colonial mother, shall we say, the British. And to celebrate the coming together of these colonies is to essentially be celebrating their victory over those who were colonized, the native Indigenous people. The Indigenous people who lived here first who helped settlers to survive in this new country, and whose rights have not been respected over centuries the way that the original treaties and agreements that were signed with them said that they would. There are some people who are not too happy about the idea of cancelling Canada Day. Some say it's really unpatriotic to cancel Canada Day, and a consequence of cancel culture. Erno O'Toole, the leader of the Federal Conservative Party, said the following.
1: The road to reconciliation, the road to equality, the road to inclusion, does not involve tearing Canada down. I'm concerned that injustices in our past or in our present are too often seized upon by a small group of activist voices who use it to attack the very idea of Canada itself. We are seeing news this week of Canada Day celebrations being cancelled. Canada Day, our day of celebration when Canadians of every background come together to give thanks for living in the greatest country in the world. As someone who served Canada and will soon ask for the trust to lead this country, I can't stay silent when people want to cancel Canada Day. I'm very proud to be Canadian, and I know most people are as well. We are not a perfect country. No country is. There is not a place on this planet whose history can withstand close scrutiny. But there is a difference between acknowledging where we've fallen short. There is a difference between legitimate criticism and always tearing down the country always being on the side of those who run Canada down, always seeing the bad and never the good.
0: Now from his statements, this doesn't sound so different from those people who are saying that we should use the day to heal with Indigenous folks, but still remember all the things that make this country great. And that's where most of us sit, I think. There's this middle ground where a lot of people see themselves But right now, as Indigenous communities are deeply hurting, cancelling Canada Day to reflect on what more needs to be done towards real reconciliation doesn't sound like a crazy idea. There's also a need to acknowledge that just identifying the problems that Canada has is just one step in making things better. We can't just pat ourselves on the back for saying, you know what, we're talking about some of these difficult issues. Good for us. We're still great. We need to take actions to really properly address the problems that our country has, and that unfortunately is something that we've been dragging our feet on. Look at reconciliation efforts with residential schools. Look at the Efforts that are very slowly taking place about missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit folks. These are conversations we've talked about on past episodes, but those conversations have shown us that we still have a very long way to go. And these kind of conversations and questions are happening to the South as well. Many Americans are wondering if the celebration of Independence Day on July 4th Makes sense in the wake of the calls for change against systemic racism that Black Mer- Americans in particular are facing. After all, independence for colonies in the United States from the British in 1776 wasn't for everyone. So, what did people do instead of celebrating? And how do we continue to learn about our history and use this day as a time to reflect and to learn? Well, there's lots of recommendations. Some people recommend actions, including being in solidarity with our Indigenous communities, educating ourselves on the history of this country. If not for the work on this podcast, the last lesson on Canadian history I would have had was in high school, and not to age myself, but that was a long time ago. You can read and learn and understand the 94 Calls to Action from the Truth and Reconciliation Report. Also, make sure to donate and support indigenous organizations doing the hard and necessary work of community support, activism, and advocacy. As usual, we're going to link as many resources as we can in the show notes so that you have a place to start or you some place to continue the work of learning and unlearning. Make sure to connect with us on social media to share the resources that you know about so that we can share them out widely. Thank you for joining us.